Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Verse 10. Now Ephron was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites, of all who went in at the gate of his city. No, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of my sons, the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land. And he said to Ephron, in the hearing of the people of the land, but if you will, hear me. Give the price of the, give the, price of the field. Accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. So Abraham's adamant. No, I want to buy this land. Verse 14, Ephron answered Abraham, My Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites. 400 shekels of silver according to the weights current among the merchants. So this guy, Ephron, comes along. He's like, I got just what you're looking for. And what's interesting about him is he would later have a descendant named Zach who would star in high school musical movies years and years later. Zach Ephron, um, pretty interesting Bible. But he's connected to this guy somehow. I know he is. Just kidding. Uh, but if you were to read this at face value, okay, what's this guy Ephron trying to do? He seems like a nice guy. Like he's just trying, again, he's just trying to hook up Abraham, Right? But a lot of scholars and commentators note that this was actually the customary way of haggling back in the day. You'd open it up by saying, oh, you're interested in buying something. Well, we're friends. Why don't I just give it to you? Which I don't really understand why. And how often would the buyer actually take him up on that? Oh, really? Okay. Oh, he called my bluff, you know. Like, but evidently, this was a custom to seem very generous and to seem very hospitable but you really didn't mean it, and and the other person was expecting to hear the price at some point in time from which they would try to haggle you down. And so if you notice, Ephron, he's, he's really trying to rope Abraham into buying an overpriced plot of land. Abraham was only interested in a cave, and, and somewhere along the conversation, Ephron's like, well, this field and this cave uh, are, are a package deal, really, Abraham. That's that's how I'm going to get rid of it. If I'm, that's how I would give it to you if I were to give it to you, hypothetically, theoretically. And then he's like, oh, and, and it, the value, don't worry about the value of 400 shekels. <clears throat> What's that amongst friends? And he lets the price slip, right? Which scholars believe this was actually pretty overpriced for this plot of land as well. And they might be figuring, like, if, if he's going to be so adamant about being a landowner among us, we're at least going to rip him off. That seems to be, when you read between the lines and read what the scholars say about their culture in the original language, that seems to be what's happening when you dig a little bit deeper. But you know what? I love how Abraham responds to the haggling and to the scheming. He just, he just pays it. He doesn't play the game. And of course, you wouldn't think he'd be interested in it right now. He's grieving the loss of his wife. But he just, he just takes the money out and just pays he just respectfully pays. And I believe there's a great example here for us on several levels. As Christians, when we deal with 
the world out there with regards to commerce and finance. We, there's a great example here as to how Abraham conducted himself. If you notice, first off, he bowed himself before them. He came in respectfully. He came in humbly. Like he was not a proud man when he came in. He wasn't entitled when he went in. And I think too many Christians have this entitlement attitude. Like, hey, my, my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Do you know who I am? I'm the son of God. And people go in and, and they, they feel entitled in the world. They feel, they act like snobs, a lot of Christians. And, and, and we'll, we'll go into situations very proud about who we are. In fact, I've heard that it's not uncommon, guys, for servers, and if, I don't know if you're a server, you can validate this for me, for servers to loathe Sunday mornings because of the Christians that come in after, after church, that they're picky and they're lousy tippers. I've heard that from servers, and it breaks my heart. I hope that's not our reputation, especially as Ignition, because like, we go out to eat after every service. I really hope we are good witnesses, that we're good tippers, that we don't leave messes, right, guys? That we're respectable, that we're humble, that we don't come in like, we're, like we own the place. Abraham bowed himself low. He humbled himself as he went to interact and deal with these guys. Another thing I notice here is that Abraham is not a moocher. If Abraham was a moocher, he'd be like, freebies all day long, come on. And there's just something, guys, about being a moocher, being someone who's always looking for the free handouts. It, it hurts your witness. It hurts your Christian witness. You know, it, it, it's, it says something to those around you that you're more interested in yourself and what you can get out of things than your concern for other people. And in fact, the Apostle Paul, he saw how mooching would be a hindrance to his ministry. And so he, he purposed that wherever he went, if he was evangelizing in a new town, he would not take money from the people of that town. He would have side jobs to support himself. He would accept money from other Christians people who were already saved, who, who were led by God to, to fund him, but he wouldn't mooch. He wouldn't go into a town and be like, oh man, I'm here, I'm doing the business of the Lord. Can you guys uh, help a brother out, right? He purposed not to do that. Romans 13 says, we should owe no one anything except to love each other. And that's a good principle with regards to freebies and handouts. Now, don't get me wrong, there are times when God will put you on somebody's heart and they want to bless you. And, and a lot of times, especially if it's in the church and you know the brother or sister and you know they don't have an agenda, then just, it's, it's a good thing to just accept that blessing and say thank you. you know, Just humbly and graciously accept it and let, let them bless you. But to be that person always looking for the handouts, always taking the freebies. Be careful that that's not your reputation. Because when, and here's a word of wisdom, guys. When you're out there, when you're in the world, and people want to give you something, a lot of people, there's always an agenda with a lot of people, especially if they're, if they're manipulators. Or if they're non-believers and they're really watching you. Sometimes they'll give you things and test to see how you respond. You need to be careful because a lot of people, when you take something that's a freebie from them, you really in, become in debt to them in their eyes. You, in debt, you need to be careful who you indebt yourself to. Like if there's somebody you've really been praying for and really been working on trying to love in Christ, it might not be the greatest idea to take something from them because it could hinder your ability to love. Owe no man anything except to love one another. 
And so may we be motivated by, by this love. And as, as customers, guys, we really should be willing to pay the, pay the fair price. Another thing that I've heard about as a pastor in a church, talking with people, talking with contractors, I've heard uh, contractors say how they don't like doing work for people at their church. Because every time they get a, a phone call from a brother or sister in the Lord, it's like they show up and they want the discounted rate. They show up and they want all the handouts and stuff. I've heard contractors be like, dude, I don't even want to do work for people at church anymore. That, that's sad, guys. We should not have that reputation as Christians. We should, a, a worker is worthy of his wages. We should be willing to pay a fair price for the, for the work. And that's, what Abraham, that's the example Abraham gives us. Much like how Abraham refused the spoils from the king of Sodom. Do you guys remember that? Here he refuses to indebt himself to the Hittites, and he pays the full price. In fact, he probably pays overpriced. Verse 17. So the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, in the field with the cave that was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, through its whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went at the gate of his city. And so Abraham's desire was granted. This was a recognized transaction in the gate of the city, and they give him a title deed of sorts for this property for burial. Verse 19, after this, Abraham buried his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as a property for a burying place by the Hittites. So just, again, reiterating, they gave it to him. He, he got the land. It was his. And this is where we'll end it. The, this great woman of faith dies. The, the, her life comes to a conclusion and she's laid to rest. And, and just to kind of look at it, Sarah's life, she, she's an amazing, she's experienced so much. She's traveled hundreds of miles as, so, as a sojourner. She was a beautiful woman. She was accepted into two different harems until they realized the whole nation was cursed because she was in their harem and they had to kick her out, right? She's experienced some crazy stuff. She saw and spoke with the angel of the Lord, which is an amazing honor, face to face. She miraculously conceived her only child at the age of 90 years old. And she was able to watch Isaac grow to be 36, 37 years old, to become a man. I mean, she was a blessed woman. She saw the hand of God move in amazing ways in her life. She stands out, guys, among the women of Scripture and among the women in history as one of the greats. She really does. But there's still one thing that she has in common with every, everyone else, and that is she still needed a grave. She was amazing, but she still needed a tomb. She still needed a, pl a place to lay her dead body. Just like all the great men and women that were before her, all the great men and women that were after her, just like you, just like me, we all need a place eventually to lay our dead bodies. I know that's morbid. I know that's not something fun to consider. But think about it. If the Lord, if the Lord delays His return... Everyone in this room will eventually have to make plans for where their corpse is going to lay. Or our poor kids will have to do it for us, or our family members will have to do it for us. But it is a reality of life, guys. Death is a part of life. No matter how rich, no matter how poor, death is a part of this. And so is a grave. 
But of course, there is one exception that pops out from all the rest. There was one guy who made plans for a tomb, but he didn't have to purchase it. He only had to borrow it for about three days. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I love what 1 Corinthians says. I'm going to close with this. In chapter 20, it says, Christ has been raised from the dead. And he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's speaking of the resurrection. Christ is the first fruits. But each one in his order. Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So there is an order. Christ was raised from the dead. He's, he's risen and glorified. We still await our resurrection day. But what's amazing, guys, what's so amazing about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that there is a day coming when this old tomb of the patriarchs, when your tomb and my tomb will one day have to give up their, their contents, that they will be emptied out, that, that our physical bodies will rise and, and our, our graves will be holes in the ground. This will be a reality that takes place because Jesus has defeated death. We will one day burst forth from our tombs, raised in immortality, with all the amazing men and women of the Bible. Because death has been defeated, guys. And this is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's important that we realize death is a real thing, that we process it. But death is not the end. The grave is not the end. Ruth Graham knew this. This is why she called her grave a launching pad. Sarah and Abraham knew this, which is why they wanted mausoleums to prepare for the resurrection of their bones, which is why we should be aware of this. And, it's, and, and we're so privileged because we know how this work is done. Because the God-man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, took on death and defeated it, and death no longer has a sting. And so I want to end just simply by reading to you this passage, one of my favorite passages, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But we do not want you to, to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have died, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command or with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Or I like the New King James. It says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. I love that text. That is the hope, guys, that we have this, this day to look forward to. And I hope we don't have to face I really hope we don't have a grave. It'd be so cool to be that generation that doesn't have to see the inside of a grave. But we would be the generation to be caught up in the air, to be caught up in the clouds. But I, I really hope you guys are encouraged by that truth. I really hope you believe it. And I hope and pray that Jesus is your Savior if you haven't done business with the Lord. I want to tell you, you can expect a resurrection as well. Jesus has defeated death on behalf of everybody. But here's the thing. Those who have Jesus Christ as their Savior will be resurrected into immortality, into eternal, abundant life, to dwell in the presence of God, as it says here, and thus 
forever be with the Lord. But those who die apart from Christ, their resurrection will not be pleasant. It will be a resurrection unto eternal condemnation. The Bible calls it the second death. And if you are to enter into the grave without the Savior Jesus, without belonging to Jesus, you will find yourself standing before the judgment seat of God. And so I encourage you, receive, if you haven't received Jesus Christ to be your Savior, that you would do so, that you would do it now because you don't know when your day of death is. You don't know if it's the moment you leave here. We do memorial services for people of all ages at this church. Young and old, children, and all the way up till their 80s, 90s, 100s, okay, Every, and everywhere in between, we do these, these services. You don't, you don't know when your last day is, and so I really encourage you, if you don't have Jesus to be your Savior, claim Him as your Savior. Give Him your life right now so you would have the hope of eternal life and the hope of the, the, the blessed resurrection. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have this certain hope that in Jesus Christ, Lord God, that all who put our faith and trust in you, all who follow you, Lord God, will in like manner rise from the grave, that we have a sample in what Jesus did, Lord, when he he burst out of the tomb. And one day we will be equipped to do the same by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would one day rise from the dead never to die again, to be glorified, resurrected, to be equipped to dwell in the presence of God. And this is what we look forward to. May we be men and women who live for what is beyond the grave. Lord, may we be men and women who are wise enough to make plans for our life, make plans for the grave, and invest in eternity. And I pray for those hearing this message who perhaps have not given their lives to you, that you would prick their hearts, you would convict them, and that you would give them the motivation, God, to commit themselves to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're hearing this and you'd like to give your life to the Lord now, I invite you to take the next step. Text the words READY FOR JESUS to 94000 and we can follow up with you. One of our leaders will be able to contact you and get you some free resources to help you grow in the faith. We invite you to come out to our in-person services every Thursday evening at Calvary Tucson's East Campus in the coffee shop area. We meet at 6.30 p.m. for coffee, and our service starts at 7 p.m. In the meantime, keep reading, keep praying, and keep worshiping. God bless you. Tell the